Sunday the 24th of September 2017. Chicken rescue day has come and there is an air of excitement throughout the house. But first, after breakfast, we must go to church, which we all enjoy very much. As I've mentioned before, ours is a lovely, quintessentially English church full of members of our lovely community. All quite different, as always, is to be found in churches, but all very special. From the quiet, reticent members who hardly say anything at all, except maybe a polite good morning. And yet you find out through the grapevine that they are quietly going about God's work in the community, such as collecting washing from someone who lives alone or is sick, or taking a casserole or pie into some old gentleman who has just lost his wife, and clearly is struggling with grief. To the most charismatic and amusing character, the life and soul of the party type, there are, of course, the flower ladies, who produce the most beautiful of arrangements every Sunday to grace the altar and the chancel steps, three of which are my very dear friends and two of which come to the Wednesday morning group. Those not to be forgotten also are the ladies who organise our annual fete in the summer, which is always held on Father's Day and has become a familiar part of the ritual of that day for us. It is a wonderful fate and always feels more in tune with the fifties than the now. They also organise the Harvey Supper, which will be in two weeks' time, and my friend Joe works tirelessly along with one of the church wardens to make this a success. We always end the evening with a well-known and much-loved hymn, We Plough the Fields and Scatter, the Good Seed on the Ground. However, with all that is happening in today's world, the poet John Betjeman's take on it would probably be more appropriate, but not so beautiful as the hymn. For those not familiar with it, I'm sure John will not mind me writing it down. It goes like this. John Betjeman's We Spray the Field and Scatter. We spray the field and scatter the poison on the ground, so that no wicked wildflowers upon our farm be found. We like whatever helps us to line our purse with pence, the 24-hour broiler house and neat electric fence. All concrete sheds around us and jaguars in the yard, the telly lounge and deep freeze are ours for working hard. We fire the fields for harvest, the hedges swell the flame, the oak trees and the cottages from which our fathers came. We give no compensation. The earth is ours today. And if we lose an arable, then bungalows will pay. Or concrete sheds, etc. Again the flower team get involved to make our little village hall glow with the colours of autumn. The list of good bodies in our church is endless, all working to be the face of God's family on earth. This morning, when we get there, there will be an atmosphere of happy greeting and then a small period of silence to prepare for the service. The service begins and after the Gloria, the children go into Sunday school. It is a lovely little Sunday school which Johnny and Rosie love very much. The same Sunday school that I taught for seven years when my older children were small and where they met all their friends that they still have today. Our church life is important to us and we have recently been joined by a new incumbent who is perfect for our church. He is warm and funny, but above all spiritual and reflects the traditions of our ancient church. This week was another baptism, 
which was just as lovely and meaningful as last week's. The girls, Joe and Karen, came back from church for coffee, but it had to be a quick one because of our trip to pick up the hens. After a long drive with various pet carriers, boxes and cat baskets, we arrived at the venue. It is a farm in the Oxfordshire countryside, and this particular farmer gives the use of his farm for a free pickup station to the hen rescue group. The rescuers are a group of people who rescue chickens about to be slaughtered for pet food just because they are not laying as well as they did anymore and are not a viable financial operation. When we finally reached our destination, we discovered that these particular chickens were not the blue egg-laying aracanas that we were promised. There had apparently been a mix-up because the farmer of this particular flock had several different breeds of hen. The rescue centre had been under the impression that all of this particular farmer's hens were the blue egg layers and presumed that the flock destined for slaughter were the same. However, these poor hens were being rescued because they were about to go into a moult, which generally lasts a short while. But the hens do not lay during this period. This makes it financially a problem for the farmer and so he is compelled to replace them. I presume because of supply and demand, and maybe also EU subsidies. Therefore, we brought them home with us and they settled in straight away. They're good-looking hens, well-built, and they have all of their feathers, unlike the battery hens we've rescued in the past. They've obviously been well looked after and behaved just like chickens should behave, scratching around, pulling up worms, and there was, of course, the inevitable scrap to sort out the pecking order, but just as I feared... Hetty Merriweather and her friends were not at all impressed. Nicky and I gave them the mandatory dusting with red mite powder as we took them from the baskets and introduced them to their new home. We kept them in a separate run within the compound called the sick bay until they felt happy in their new surroundings. They didn't care a jot. It was our existing old ladies whose feathers were ruffled. By six o'clock, we had sorted everything out and decided to leave them to it. There was the occasional scuffle, but it was the easiest and friendliest introduction we have ever had with new chickens, and we were pleased with the result. That is all of us except David. He had really been looking forward to the exotic birds and taking blue eggs into work as gifts for friends. We have to remember, though, what it is really all about, and that is to save perfectly healthy creatures from destruction. After all, they give their lives exhaustingly, keeping a supply of eggs flowing for us human beings, until they are so worn out and exhausted they can't keep it up anymore. Then they are destroyed because they are no longer of any use to the farmer. And to us, we should remember that we are responsible too, for it is all about supply and demand. After we all had a large salad and jacket potatoes for supper, Nicky and I went back down to show them all how to get up to bed. But first we allowed them to run together for a bit. During this time, without us seeing him, David had had a Machiavellian thought. And once we had got the last hen up, making sure that Hetty Merriweather and her pearls pal- went up first in their reserved places, we went to the door of the compound to come out and found it firmly locked. We're quite a way down from the house, and all we could see now was the drawing room lights twinkling through the trees. We shouted and shouted, and finally a grinning David appeared. 
he enjoyed the little joke and at least it cheered him up after the disappointment of no blue egg laying chickens. I really thought that nobody would think about us or hear us shouting for hours. After all, they had all had their suppers. I have to admit, I'm a little bit claustrophobic and could reveal the beginnings of a mild panic begin to rise within me. David is very claustrophobic. I shall get my revenge. We went to bed tired, content and very satisfied by the day's events. Monday the 25th of September 2017 David went down to let the hens out this morning and had to gently push them down the ladder. I wonder what their sleeping arrangement had been before. In spite of the trauma of being driven all night in a poultry carrying transporter and then waiting for their new owners to collect them at the farm in quite a small corral, the new girls had laid us seven eggs by ten o'clock and we had only brought home eight new hens. We had thought that we would take more because usually some would be hen keepers change their minds and cancel at the last moment. However, this time they had less hens than they thought they were rescuing. The hens being free range, the farmer apparently didn't know exactly how many he had and found he had less to go than he thought he had. I suppose that it is possible that a fox may have taken some. Two of the eggs were broken and the hens had clearly not understood where they should lay. Instead of using the nesting box, they lay them on the perches and they slipped through the rings and were broken. I removed them from the sliding soil drawers by removing the newspaper that we lined them with and relined the drawers with fresh paper. It is always important to remove broken eggs immediately. If you don't, there is a danger that the hens will eat them and they will then become egg eaters, which is fine if you don't eat the eggs yourself, but if not, it's a nuisance. The hens all went up to bed unaided this evening. Nicky was down with them, making sure that they were all up and safe. Lots of chirruping and purring type sounds were coming from the coop, which seemed to indicate that all was well within. I'm so glad because every time I went down to the hen compound today, the three old ladies were standing by the gate, and I felt so miserable for them. I hope they will mingle a bit more tomorrow and not look so absolutely forlorn. This morning after prayers, our reading time, the children, Marshall and I went to our local woods, where we park on the road. It is just a short walk into the woods, and there is a huge old sinkhole. It is mostly chalk locally, and sometime, probably more than a 100 years ago, this enormous depression was made. It is probably about 10 feet deep in the middle but rises up gently all round in a circle, forming what looks like an enormous bowl. The children called this ditch, and we usually start off the time in the woods playing a game we invented called Ditch Sticks. The children have to hunt for sticks of the right length and weight to be thrown successfully across the ditch. They, they then can take turns hurling the sticks across. At present, Marshall is the highest scorer, but Johnty is catching up at a great rate of knots. To be honest, Rosie and I are pretty hopeless at it, but we aim to get better. We can't let the boys beat us. 
After a while at this game, they spend some time running down into the bowl and up the other side. The aim is to do it without stopping. It really is good exercise. And you have to build up a momentum, otherwise you find yourself falling backwards as you attempt to run up the other side. After this, we then have a pause and just sit and be. This morning it was particularly lovely as there was a constant falling of yellowy golden leaves into the large bowl-shaped ditch. Looking up the canopy was still largely green, but the leaves gently falling is the promise of more autumnal changes as late summer waves goodbye and autumn whispers a husky hello. It was a lovely sunny morning, but there was the usual barely perceptible change in the atmosphere a slightly sharper movement of air on the cheeks, the pungent smell of fungi and other vegetation that thrives in the cooler, damper seasons of the year, and yes, an all-too-familiar smell of burning leaves of a nearby bonfire. Although part of the seasonal cocktail of sensory experiences is a shame to burn leaves, when composted, they make wonderful mulch for any garden, and if left where they fall, they keep small creatures sheltered and warm throughout the winter months, particularly those that need to hibernate. We have a lot of trees in and around our garden, and therefore we have a lot of leaves. Some we compost, some we leave where they are, and those that fall and collect on the lawns we rake up and put into the chicken compound. The chickens love to play among the rusting leaves and during the winter they can be seen among them but only just seen as the chickens' russet coats blend perfectly into the orangey-brown leaves. Wonderful camouflage. By the time the spring comes, the chickens, with the help of their very excellent manure, have turned the leaves into a very rich, friable compost which can be removed and put around the flower beds. Perfect with roses, not to mention vegetables. The afternoon, this afternoon, the two little ones had sewing with Auntie Rachel with their new machines. They're making covers for their machines, and although they are only timetable one hour with them, she makes it such a lovely time for them that they come rushing into me as I'm writing this entry and ask if they can have two hours. Now Rachel is 86 years old and I could see just by looking at her that one hour was fun and fine, but two hours with the two exuberant ten-year-olds, possibly not.